You are now listening to the Motivational Mentors Podcast with your hosts, Luke Burrows. Touch on morning routines. I think people have to find something that works for them. And Arsenio Buck. Hey, Arsenio, let's go party. Hey, party. If someone asked me to party right now, Luke, come on. What the hell's a party? A party? A party for what? Guys, what's going on? It is your host, Arsenio, as usual, and my sidekick, Luke Burrows, out there in England. We're bringing to you today the Lab CEO. The Lab CEO, man, that is the name of a gym out here in good old Bangkok, Thailand. My man, Rich, the first time I met a man, this guy was just an aura of positive energy. Richard, man, thank you so much for coming on today, my brother. Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. Great to, great to see you guys on here. Or hear you guys on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those technical difficulties. Luke, as always, man, good to have you back. Pleasure. And it's nice to finally, um, well, virtually, I've only virtually met Rich, Richard. <laughs> so, um, I know that you speak very highly of him, so it's great to, to, you know, to chat to him on, on you know, this episode sounds good we're gonna see how much value this man over here he has you know what man pressure (laughs) (laughs) lots mr tony robbins himself over here uh yeah we'll get into that another time if we got some time probably in a couple months or so but you know what richard man i think it's unbelievable your story and whatnot i just want in terms of business, I guess you could do a nice little brief run over of what, uh, you know, brought you here to Thailand and then, you know, ultimately kick, you know, kickstarting uh, a very, very successful franchise out here. So what made you come to Thailand and then you ended up, of course, just starting, you know, the lab and then we'll just go from there in terms of the business aspect of it. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Happy to share. Well, um, I arrived in, in Thailand back in February 2004, so it's around 15 years ago now. Wow. Yeah, a long time ago. And there was, um, I remember there was like only about three shopping malls back then, and now there's about 30. So uh, it was very, very different back then. (laughs) Very, very different back then. And um, yeah, I just came over here. I was living in the UK. I was working as a personal fitness trainer in the UK uh, really enjoyed my job and enjoyed doing what I was doing. And I knew everybody in the town and I knew everybody in the gym. And I remember I used to go to the local supermarket and bumping into people at the supermarket and they would hide all the food that they had in their trolleys because uh, <laughs> I'd be like, what's that in there? <laughs> what are those chips doing in there? What are those sweets doing in there? Yeah. Right. It was uh, it's one of those towns where you kind of know everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I decided to move to uh, Bangkok because um, I proved just, just before I was um, working as a personal fitness trainer, I had quite a, uh, quite a severe accident where I broke my neck and my back diving into a swimming pool. And uh, I was to uh, uh, say, I was uh, actually, I actually, uh, when I dived in, I was actually uh disabled from the neck down so I couldn't move my arms couldn't move my legs and had someone had to dive in and pull me out and uh yeah eventually after about six to seven months of recovery I just started working on my body and started working on training myself and uh I made a decision to uh that okay I'm gonna I want to explore the world I need to experience more I need to go see more I need to go do more. I need to be more. Mm. And I, uh, yeah. And then um, after a few 
a few uh, a month, a few about six months to a year or so of building myself back up. I got that job in the as a personal trainer, and eventually decided to you know I need to see what else is out there. So I decided to take a bit of a uh, take a bit of a break, go traveling around Southeast Asia, and move to Thailand. Fell in love with the place. What attracted you to Thailand? Yeah, yeah, good question. Well, um, it was. It was, it was probably just after everyone remembers the beach movie, right? Yep. The, the beach movie where they're all um, they're on that beautiful beach. And mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, I, I kind of remember seeing that and thinking, oh, wow, I think Southeast Asia looks beautiful. So uh, and I, and my sister had been traveling around there. A lot of my friends had traveled around there before, told me some great stories about, um, about Southeast Asia and Thailand in, in particular. So it kind of sparked my interest and I, I decided to to make the move and go over and do some traveling around there. And um, when I got here, I was just, I just, it just kind of blew my mind, you know, the, uh, especially Bangkok, like how colorful it is and eclectic it is. And um, just fell in love with the place, really enjoyed the people, really enjoyed the, the country, the weather, of course, the food and decided to, well, what, what, what do we have to do? What do we have to do to stay here? So, um, Decided to get a job teaching English at first, <laughs> and uh, uh, like a lot of people yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice little laugh, of course. Yeah, look at me. I'm a teacher. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, just, and just decided that, um, you know, Thailand was a really great place that had a lot of opportunities, very as a developing um, country, uh, especially the things like in the, the fitness industry was very underdeveloped back then. And I just saw a lot of opportunities and, and a way of life, uh, most importantly, that, I, that would, I'd find sort of fulfilling and, and, and make me happy. And there it is. And then you went on, of course, you know, you just started off teaching. Then you, I'm guessing somewhere along the lines, you became a personal trainer. And then you ended up starting up a business. See, I want people to understand because there are a lot of people who are scared to start businesses, whether it's online or if it's physical and whatnot. When you ended up starting a business, the lab, were you terrified and what steps did you take to, well, obviously overcoming the anxiety, but just to say, you know what? Okay. How am I going to do this? I need to do my research. I mean, I'm guessing like that sort of the stress that you had to go through in terms of starting up the lab. How was it? You know, I kind of see it like as, as anybody that's like a a trainer or a teacher or somebody has that they're, they're a craftsman that they're very passionate about the craft that they do. Um, you, you do it because you love it. You do it because it, you're as passionate. You do it because you can make a difference and you see the look on, on you know, on people's faces when you've, um, when you've done something uh, and, or you've achieved something, especially in a personal training field, you know, when you're helping clients achieve results and weight loss or fat loss or whatnot. So, um, yeah, going from that particular mindset into the mindset of being an entrepreneur or, you know, owning a, owning a business or setting up a business is, is a very big shift that you have to go go towards. And um, I remember, like, I, I call myself a bit of an accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> I kind of like, I kind of, I kind of feel like I, I fell in, I fell into it, and then had to. It wasn't something that I, I, I was, uh, I wasn't training or being being a trainer in the uh, with with the outcome to open up my own business. It kind of just, it kind of just happened, and it had to happen. Well, there was a choice actually. There was a choice between continuing doing my trade which i really enjoyed like training clients and helping people achieve their health and fitness goals and then the other choice was to or that was on one side and that's great 
the other option was to okay maybe i can scale this how do i scale it how do i make it how do i get more people involved how can we reach more people open up and, and create more um, opportunities for people to um, find us and, and achieve results so that's when the the choice become um, to scale and and to build a business and to start a business in thailand yeah there's lots of different Lots of very, very stressful situations, especially for an expat, as you know, AJ, living in in Bangkok. And uh, yeah, I think the choice, yeah, there was was so much, uh, yeah, so much, um, a lot lot of stress that that comes from it. I think just as long as, as long as, uh, I think for me, it was more along the lines of, okay, well, um, I can't, I don't think I want to be a personal trainer when I'm like 50, you know? Uh (laughs) So, uh, you know, how can how can we I ask the question? You know how how can we you know build this business, uh, keep it growing, get some Thai people involved as well, mm-hmm. and eventually have like a business that can run itself and employs people and gives back to society, and that's where we um, develop the the lab and, and the business. What are some of the challenges that you've um, had along the way, and how have you? Been able to overcome them. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a wide variety of challenges. Then number one, it starts with the um, start. Well, the first thing was was starting just overcoming myself, really. Um, as I think a lot of a lot of uh, sort of young entrepreneurs will will testify to, it's um, that we we sometimes we set limitations uh, on what we can achieve or what we can what we can do, and those limitations are only due to maybe not having experience or not having a certain skill or not a certain um, knowledge about a particular part of business that you, we do need to know things like marketing or things like um, creating a community or things like, um, uh, all, uh, you know, uh, all, all the legal aspects to it as well. So it was just, I think for me, it was that those were the challenges were like, hey, ha- there are so many components to running a business. It is important that I need to, uh, I do know all of these components uh, I just don't maybe don't need to know everything in detail, but I do need to know how it works. So it was um, actually for me, uh, getting a coach was the single most important thing that I did in my in my business career. Uh, I actually hired a um, a business coach who, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had a business coach from the USA who had you know um, a lot of he asked me lots of questions. He didn't really give me advice, but just asked me lots of questions about. Um, you know, what, what, what I th- just help me, help me become more resourceful, help me look at ways in which I could learn more material. And, uh, I, I managed to learn, a, learn a ton with a coach and that's, that's how I managed to get over my own limitations and feel confident enough to open up a business. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest ones was myself, uh, learning some of the different components about business and then always, uh, always trying to stay relevant as well. So like trying to uh, explore how we can um, co- to continue to um, grow the market here in, in Thailand and, and create more create more options yeah. for people. So I just want to pick up on one thing you said that in terms of the components in business. So what is your still like your main passion in running your business? Is it actually running the business overall or is it continuing to work with clients on more of a one-to-one basis or, or is it now more the marketing side also yeah. what is like running a business what is it you enjoy the most if that makes sense because as you it said does. there's so many 
there's so many different like components, aren't there? And I think sometimes, yeah. especially young entrepreneurs, we try and do everything that we actually lose like our passion for doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, 100% it makes sense, yeah. And um, I think uh, what, what I've... <sighs> You know, it's it's a really, really great, it's a great question. I think if I was, if I was, it's a really great question, but soul searching here. I know. I was like, Luke, good stuff, man. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Stay dead. Awesome. I, I think my, my passion still is for helping people. Like, I, I just love seeing people achieve great results. And if I can, I can, and I can have that still with running, uh, with, you know, I could be doing a management meeting, for example, and I can be working with my managers and I can be assisting them with getting great results for themselves and also for their trainers. Um, it might not be one-to-one with clients anymore, helping them get results, but in general, that's something I'm very, very passionate about, helping people get results. Um, I don't pretend to... I, 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 for me, I'm an ideas guy. Uh, I like. I have lots and lots of ideas and... Um, I know that I've got a great t- having a great team around around me enables who who are really who really focus on those different components. Like for example, I've got a great marketing and uh, business strategy uh, girl who's actually my fiance, <laughs> and so I give her some ideas and she just gets into the really nuts and bolts of it, which she's really passionate about. And then I've got some other people on my team who are very passionate about other components like um, processes or standardizing um, customer service, uh, those kind of elements, which they really love. And I can just maybe be more of the kind of director in the, in the whole process. So, okay, so you, you know, did that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did. Yeah. You know what, I wanted to, you know, because being out here in Bangkok, and of course, Rich, you being from England, me when I'm from America, but the complexity of the team you have at the lab is extraordinary. Now, for everyone who's listening, Luke and I mean, well, obviously, Rich and I, I wouldn't say we are extremely close, but we are in the same neck of the woods. That's my boy over there. And so I know a lot about the team. So basically, you franchised one of them. So I go to one of the gyms in the morning, which is, let's just say, 20 minutes away. Where Rich is, it's probably 40 minutes away. But he franchised it to another guy by the name of David. He's from France. The two other girls that actually work at the front desk, they're Thai. However, the other trainers, he uh he's brought trainers from Lithuania. Um, Kay, where's Kay from, uh, Richard? Uh, yeah, he's from uh the U.S. and also Russia. Oh wow! So okay, so you got the U.S., Russia. There were a couple of others. It's just such a diverse team. So how were you able to manage complexity and diversity when you have such a diverse team? How can you do that? Because, again, I know there's a lot of head bumping and whatnot. Then people end up, you know, they go into separate ways and whatnot, which yeah. is all fine uh, because different walks of life, different junctures and whatnot. But how are you able to do that? Or is it something you delegate to someone else? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, great, uh, it's a great question. Um, yeah, the, the, to deal with the complexity, I think it's just the more you get to know people, uh, the, the more easier it becomes. And also had to have a level of awareness. Uh, when as 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 a business owner and that's something i've definitely learned um along the years you know over the in the past i would have um potentially probably 
hired the hired the wrong people or, or hired the hired the wrong people maybe for the looking for, not not really understanding what I was looking for. That's on the human resources side. So that's something that I've learned. Uh, you know, you, you learn you learn by mistakes, and also you learn by also trying to fix those mistakes that you made in the past. Um, and then trying to create team dynamics where you can. Uh, try to get team dynamics in games where you can identify each of your employees' different strengths and skills and weak, um, not weaknesses, but opportunities for development. And then so once we can uh, identify those, we can really help uh, each. We can really help each other to make sure we're maximizing our access. We're all maximizing our true potentials. So things like um, do I love. Do you guys know about MBTI? MBTI personality types. No, I've been seeing a lot of those things out there lately. The ENJT, the GANT, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I don't, I don't. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> no, it's it's these things are really great, and it's something that so it's, you have these MBTI person, these Myers Briggs, it's Myers Briggs mm-hmm. uh, personality types. That's just one of the one of the um, models that that. Uh, that we can use to try to identify a person's natural, a natural personality type, um, whether they're introvert, extrovert, um, feeling, sensing, um, judging, or, or percept, percept, perceptive. And by understanding, I think each person's different, uh, each person's nat- natural abilities, you can start to uh, empathize with them a little bit more, and you can understand them a little bit more. You can give them great, uh, great. Uh, Great exercises to do that. Um, hopefully, we're gonna. That's, that's hopefully going to help them uh, maximize their skills. So these are really, really great, uh, great terms. I think a lot of HR, uh, human resources um, departments use when when hiring staff. There's another one called DISC profiling too, and there's also Gallup Strength Finders. These things are great. I, I find for sort of uh, hiring staff and dealing with the team. Awesome. That's great actionable steps for everyone out there who is interested in probably putting, uh, again, a team together, kind of like me. You know, I got a team of one, like, and it's not just me. It's another, you know, uh, one of my content writers out there in Malaysia. But again, she has more of an introverted personality, but speaking to her one-on-one, she's able to give so much unbelievably valuable feedback. You know what I mean? So um, are there specific personalities that you... uh, Hi, Rich. Are there some personalities that you're like, okay, that's sort of the judgy one. I don't know what I should do, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know if you can like indicate that. Really Watch out for those judges. <laughs> Watch out for the judges, man. The judges they scare. <laughs> They're scary, but they hold the truth. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't necessarily. Uh, I. I don't, I don't think it's a great uh, yeah because like like you mentioned before like you spoke spoke about your friend your um colleague in Malaysia uh you know who she's able to go between the two right so she can she, maybe naturally she's more introverted but she's able to when push comes to shove she'll act and she'll be you know be do it do what she needs to do to get the job done and you know I think we all have that flexibility to go between uh, all the different types and. Uh, and I think that um, there are certain types I would look to use in different areas of business for different particular things. Like, for example, if I've got if I've got something that that needs that's lot that's very process driven, very analytical, maybe very logical, and needs to be everything needs to follow a certain standard and a rule. 
I'm probably going to put a personality type in there that's going to thrive in that situation. Whereas I've got, if I need somebody on more of a, an executive team, then I'd put a different personality in that um, who's going to thrive. And vice versa for all different sort of elements um, that um, are needed in it within, a, within a company. And you know what? Sometimes you don't always get it right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. We just have to – but you know, a lot of times you do get it right and then you can um, – you know, you, you, you get it right. And it's a win-win for, for both. Real quick, um, like when you first started off, a lot of people, I think I was just speaking to a lady last night and she was telling me that she was, you know, looking into uh, investors out there in Singapore to invest in her idea, this and that. Now, Belle, who I love so dearly, she is a part, Oh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she's a part owner or investor? In yes, yes. Yeah, part That's owner, right? right? Right. So yeah. how were you able to do you need someone to invest in your idea being a foreigner expat out here or in a foreign country? And when did how did you, of course, come across Bell and how were you able to influence her to invest in your idea? I guess you could say. I mean, because a lot of yeah. people are like, yeah, yeah, investors, I don't know if I should get an investor. Silicon Valley, they're all bad out there and all, you know, all the crazy stories yeah. that we hear yeah. about. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us your story. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great that's a great part of the story that that, that um, I think would help a lot of people, and um, it it does need to be uncovered. I think um, I don't necessarily think that everybody needs an investor when you're starting a small business. It really depends on uh, what 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 the vision you have for your business and and where you want to take it. I think having number one having a clear vision of where you'd like that company to go, and and say and being okay with whichever direction it is, whether you want to scale to like a multi-franchise corporate, take it to take it on the stock exchange, on a stock exchange to I just want to have a nice family location in this area, and I know all the clients, and we're good friends, and it's a lifestyle uh, business. Whatever, whatever one of the visions you are, be okay with it, and. As much as you can, uh, for for me anyway. When I started my business, I didn't I didn't get any investment. What I did instead it was, um, I, and actually this was come from an advice that I had had from uh, my business coach was that as much as you can try to keep control of the company because uh, it's your your puppy, you know it, your baby, you know it. It's in your head. It's something that you've you've come up with. So what I just what I actually did was I actually just got some upfront payments from my regular clients. So I gave them a great deal to buy um, lots of uh, lots of um, sessions or, or uh, PT sessions all in one go, and that enabled me to finance certain parts of uh, my business. And then, and then I was able to rec- obviously by get by financing other parts of the business, be able to grow the top line, and um, eventually, uh, I was able to have more of a. Uh, able to have turnover, and I would, and I didn't actually. It was just basically like initial cash flow. Once you've got initial cash flow, um, money starts to come come back in, so you don't necessarily need to uh, get other investors. Unless I think when you and when you do look for investors, I think um, trying to find an investor that can bring something to the table. And Luke, you mentioned we talked about uh, those different components in business as well. Uh, if you had an investor that is, you know, really good with. So online online marketing or someone who's really good with um, with process and systems and and standardizing and creating uh, operation manuals, then that could be a great investor to bring in. I can add part uh, add onto your team because 
sometimes those things like marketing and or, or creating manuals can cost you hundreds of thousands or thousands of dollars. So you can save quite a bit by having those people on as an investor. For my particular situation, uh, I was I was I was a sole I was a sole investor. I was a sole owner of the company all the way until 2014, 15, where I sold 30% of my company uh, to an external investor who wanted to buy in. Uh, and that allowed me to go to Australia, where I spent two years in Australia. And, um, and then uh, I came back from Australia. My uh, business partner actually passed away, which was pretty horrific. Um, yeah, so he um, yeah he passed away. It was very unfortunate, and um, we were just in the middle of uh, open um, opening the second branch in Ceylon, and um, that's when I, uh, I I'd already met Belle anyway, and she was very very keen. She loved the lab. She'd loved everything that we um, we'd been doing, and really wanted to get involved. So I was very very fortunate that she wanted to uh, she wanted to come in and be a partner. And um, I've been grateful ever since because she's been a fantastic addition to the team. And um, yeah, I couldn't have got to where I am right now with, without her for sure. So uh, that was a little bit of luck as well. <laughs> awesome. So you, so you spoke about in there about your vision. So I'm just kind of interested in terms of your vision and where you see you know, everything that you're doing yeah. going. Yeah, great question. Um, so, my, so the vision for my company, if you'd asked me back in 2012, like five, six, seven years, as I say, seven years ago, I actually wanted to have multiple different locations in different areas of, uh, of Asia. And uh, over the time, I... I had a little dabble at different things. I had um, I opened up a, a MMA gym in Thailand, um, in Bangkok, and I opened up another gym in Sydney. And obviously, we opened up the Ceylon location. And where we are right now with the business is, I, I'm actually we're actually very okay with what, what we're doing right now. We've got two locations in good areas in 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 Bangkok, which we're going to just focus on. Uh, giving great value to our clients there, and um, I think the next step for us is to look at other ways in which we can, other ways in which we can reach people. So we're looking at a lot of online online services and online programs and products. So for me, the uh, and and also I'm working on a on separate side to the health and fitness. I'm working on a lot of the mindset coaching, helping people develop results before they even get to the gym. So how can they? get rid of some limited limiting beliefs, internal conflicts, negative thinking, negative emotions on the, on the, on the mind side. Okay, Cause I can imagine that does go hand in hand. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's it definitely something that uh, we kind of like where when people want to, and it, it's, it's a difficult situation. Yeah. Cause a lot of people who want to, want to go, go, go to the gym, they have it, they, they, they're going because they, they think they should go to the gym mm. and, Completely different mindset, isn't it? Yeah, completely different mindset to uh, help get finding people that you know they might turn those shoulds into musts, as Tony says, and uh, and yeah, and to make and make it a must, make it something that you're passionate about, make it something results orientated, something that you can create, set into a lifestyle, and that that's that's what that's what I'm working on with people is to get them get them get it right in their in their minds first before they start coming to the gym. So I think there's a big there's a big space there that hasn't been that that needs to be addressed. And so, in terms of in terms of your gyms and, and the clients that come in 
studio gyms is it very varied so like with age groups and that is it is that still very diverse yeah so um we're seeing a lot of uh, i think i think the, the the majority of people that come that that, that come into the gym regularly it's if i was to be honest it's a, it's a huge diverse range of you know of, of people that are coming in, especially age groups what, what we're tending to find now is that the younger generation are getting a very way more health conscious um than than I think the generation before. I feel like the, I feel like the um, the millennials uh, are getting a little bit more. Are, are feeling like you know you know what health is really important. Uh, fitness is really important, uh, and having great energy is really important. And I think that's starting to become a little bit more apparent. So we're starting to see people coming to the gym a little bit younger now, which is great uh, that they that they've taken um, they're taking control of their of their health and that they're seeing it as a priority. Um, <clears throat> the same, likewise, with on the opposite end of the spectrum, we're seeing some older generations now uh, using the gym more more frequently for anti-aging purposes. Uh, they're looking to be more be more vital, have more energy, and uh, and you know they they understand they understand the, the 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 needs to go to the gym, and I think it's potentially more of a uh, is it more of morality? Is that right word? Is it more moral? A moral um, a moral focus, so they're, they're now focused on getting to getting having having now they have a lot of time. You know, it's, it's people in their sixties, mid sixties, are now spending a lot of time coming to on, on their health, and that can be anything from new, better nutrition, uh, exercising more frequently, going for longer walks, um, taking uh, you know uh, a lot of people are doing sort of stem cell stuff as well now so it's uh and they're doing things like uh cryotherapy and meditation and floating and all this wellness um that all, all these all these wellness uh tools that they're applying to their lives now so yeah a really big big range again uh the teams you know putting together a team hiring different you know for different positions like hr okay like uh you know front desk and this and that and breaking it all down having that amount of focus and you know, just being able to deal with that. Cause I know being a CEO, it must be unbelievably difficult. A lot of people are like, Oh my God, you're CEO. Oh my God. That's amazing. They think it's all about sunshine and vacations, but believe me, I'm getting rich. I know every day is probably a grind, but now again, delegating those tasks, it's another form of leadership saying, you know what? Okay, David, you take three. This is yours now. Okay, I don't want to deal with that anymore. Okay, you handle this, handle that. And now, Rich, of course, you just do a little bit of PT, you know, personal training on the side, and you focus more on, you know, the bigger picture, I guess, huh? Uh, yeah, that's right. I think um, I, I can't remember who, it, it, you know, I can't remember who who this quote is from, but um, I read it and I saw it in Bloomberg and it made sense to me. And it was like, the CEO, when you're a CEO, or if you're sort of manager director of a company, it's not about lo making lots of decisions. It's about making like one or two big decisions a day. And if you can make one or two really, really big decisions a day, then actually, and, and you put some thinking time into them, then it can, you know, it can be a, uh, a nice way of life. Definitely. Well, Rich, thank you for jumping on with us. Uh, we're definitely going to have to bring you back and dive into much more of your, of, of your company and your vision and, you know, just so many other different areas that I think that we can talk to you about, especially the mindset side as well. Cause you know, I'm more in that, in that space. I know Arsenio is really interested about that space as well. So 
um, definitely have to have to bring you back if you're up for it. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate your time, and thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Love to come back anytime. No worries. Well, I'll send you. Thank you for joining me again. And um, guys, next episode will be in a week's time. So um, we will see you on the next episode. If you like this episode, then subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with anyone who you think will find value in it. And we will see, see you next, next time. time. Did you find this episode helpful? If you did, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. New episodes of the Motivational Mentors podcast are available every Tuesday and Friday.